Hello, everyone. I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. Welcome back, queens. We have Leslie in studio. Well, not in studio, virtually in studio. Uh Sure, Becca. (laughs) Be quiet. (laughs) Through her years as a dietitian and nutrition therapist, Leslie has had the privilege to practice in many settings, including research, infant nutrition, general pediatrics, collegiate and professional sport facilities, and eating disorder treatment centers. In addition, she focuses her own private practice on counseling families, those of all ages with disordered eating issues, and professional athletes and performers. With her warm, compassionate, and entertaining personality, I will, let's put some emphasis on the entertaining, <laughs> Leslie has been featured in media outlets like Women's Health, Self, Pregnancy Magazine, The Yoga Journal, BuzzFeed, Huffington Post, U.S. News, and on HGTV. Leslie owns Chilling Nutrition, a private nutrition therapy and wellness coaching business that focuses on intuitive eating, weight-neutral, and non-diet approaches to health and performance. When she's not counseling, reading, writing, cooking, or hiking with her family, you can find Leslie using her social media channels and speaking platforms to deliver science-based... There we go. There's more than I like that. Uh, yeah. Science-based. Non-diet messages with a dash of humor. Her most recent endeavor was creating and co-authoring the book Born to Eat. Oh. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Leslie, we can't wait to talk to you about all the things. So let's start out. Um, Why did you, um, sorry, what made you decide your career path from sports into eating disorders to feeding advocate for children? Tell us a little bit about your journey into um, the populations that you're working with. Well, it's so interesting because that's a question I get a lot. They're like, how did you go from sports nutrition <laughs> to writing this kind of baby-led weaning, uh-huh. you know, intuitive eating approach kind of system thing for the family? And it, it's a really interesting story because I, I was a gymnast um, growing up. So I was a competitive gymnast growing up and and a sprinter and, you know, was, a, was an athlete, went to college to do forensics. And ended up, I know it's crazy. I wanted to be like CSI before it was cool. Oh, wow. And um, I was so into all of that because my grandmother was a psychiatric nurse. And so I went to Appalachian State in um, North Carolina and, you know, was starting to head down that route, medical technology and all of that. And decided one one day I wanted to, I didn't want to take botany. I'm like, okay, I'm burned out. I just took zoology as an elective. I'm kind of burned out for, can I take something else? And my lovely um, advisor said, why don't you take nutrition? Why don't you take a class mm-hmm. in nutrition? And then my advisor became Dr. Diane Butterworth. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. And yeah. she was, her, <laughs> she was, she was lovely. And, and she really was like, Leslie, I think, I think you would do well if you wanted to switch your major to nutrition. And it was really interesting because my past as a competitive athlete, 
and just, you know, I was very fortunate to grow up um, relatively unscathed by diet culture. Um, it didn't really hit me until my nutrition program at college. Um, and so, um, yeah, and then I, trans- I kind of transferred over to the nutrition program and then was able to add exercise science and did my master's in nutrition and exercise science and then got into my first job at the University of Memphis was in nutrition research, sports nutrition research. It was a swimmer study, a bone density study for swimmers. And then we worked with a lot of um, athletes and I ran a DEXA. And so, you know, so it just really fell into the sports nutrition piece. And very quickly in my career, I saw that there was a lot of disordered eating stuff going on in my athletes, but I was really naive. Like I don't do eating disorders. I don't work with eating disorders. And then um, had the pleasure of working with a few therapists who are like, Oh yeah, you actually do. And we would like to help you do it better. And we're going to, and we're going to train you. And I think I was really naive to think you can work in sport and not Hmm. encounter eating disorders. And so, so fortunate to have therapists kind of take me in and kind of show me the ropes. I'm using my little air quotes. I, I, I like to say I was kind of raised up by therapist after I became a dietitian and, you know, worked in sport, worked with eating disorders, um, then kind of opened my practice and had been in practice long enough to have worked with athletes who then came back when they had families of their own. Mm-hmm. And so it really became full circle when I had my daughter and I was like, wow, you know, I'm working with all these people, but nothing is really different. So I work with people in different areas. So whether it's family nutrition or working with, you know, feeding kids or messaging around kids and you're working with or working with athletes. And I realized that it's all a big spectrum of the same thing because people in our culture are afraid to feed themselves. And then born to eat came about, you know, what's the name of my blog? Cause I just believe like we're born to eat. And then, you know, Wendy Joe, my co-author was like, Hey, Leslie, are we going to, you want to do this book or what? And so <laughs> she really pushed me and we moved, um, we we moved pretty quickly to get born to eat out there, not just as a, hey, we are literally born to eat, but a, this is a beautiful time for the whole family to look at this beautiful infant who knows how to feed themselves mm-hmm. and reboot the whole family from diet culture at the same time. So it's really, I do a lot of things, but it's really all the same. Yeah. Wow. Well, tell us about the book. What? Tell us more about Born to Eat and what are we going to be finding in that book? So, so born to eat is um, it's a feeding method that is based on baby led weaning, which was um, initially that phrase was or the term was um, developed by Joe Rapley, who wrote the original baby led weaning book. Mm-hmm. And what we realized is like, wow, it's we really are born to eat. And what we did is we did it in phases. We're and it's you don't need baby food. And <laughs> when I you know, when I had my daughter, I didn't know if I was just lazy or had some, you know, read some research or what, but I'm like, I just don't want to make baby food. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think in my early dietitian years, I'm like, I'm going to make baby food and I'm going to do all these things. And it's great that it's great that for people who want to do that. But I knew about myself that like, oh my gosh, I, that felt very daunting and overwhelming. And mm-hmm. a friend brought me the book um, that Jill Rapley had written called Baby Led Weaning. 
And my husband's a researcher and, you know, he's my in-house researcher. So we, we got this book and we really started pulling some of the information about, you know, how the rest of the world feeds their kids. And we decided we were just going to feed her safe solids that, you know, age appropriate. And, you know, a lot of the guidelines had been changing and parents were so confused and I had seen that in my own practice. And so what we really wanted to do is offer kind of an easier way to feed kids that are actual complementary foods, which are foods of the family, mm-hmm. um, and, and take the whole family on a journey towards, you know, food and body freedom or in celebrating diversity and understanding um, understanding that we're all meant to be very different and understanding some of the things in our culture that have led us astray. And the one thing we keep saying through the book is like, what you chew is up to you because we believe that health is defined in a family and not for a family. And we, we hope that the book will go alongside families and support their infant feeding and then hopefully give the, the family a path towards you know, freedom mm-hmm. around you know, a way out of diet culture, or at least to see it for the first time. Wow, what a great resource. You know, I, I work with mamas myself, and, you know, they're so anxious about the amount of information out there and how to go about it and how to feed their children's and transitioning from milk to solids. Um, and it's so good to know that there's a resource out there, and you have that eating disorder background, mm-hmm. too. Um, what a great combo for, for moms and families. Yeah, we we were so lucky. Um, Wendy Jo at the time was living in Germany. And so we would like get on FaceTime and then Google Docs and like work together. She would be, it'd be margarita time for her and be Uh coffee time for me and we'd be working. And, um, you know, we were, we were just so lucky because I come from that kind of therapeutic eating disorder background. And Wendy Jo comes from this, like she's so culinary and has this, amazing just love and knowledge of of food and food culture and so it just really married so so well that we you know we had the backgrounds and she has this like love of taking this recipe and figuring out how to make this family food super safe and amazing so the whole family can sit down together it was just we were very fortunate we're you know kind of professional soulmates (laughs) (laughs) that that sounds like it works so well I don't know if you've noticed this I've been having conversations with with moms who you know they really grew up in this Weight Watchers slim fast generation that their moms you know started and they grew up with that and they know they don't want to do that but they don't know other kind of resources mm-hmm. that they can st- trust. Um, so they are really wanting to learn a different way to feed their children and the messages that they're, they're kind of going to give their kiddos. And I think in a way, um, oh, sorry, Lizzie, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. This almost sounds like in eating disorders with children, we do family-based therapy. Right. And yeah. in this case, this is almost putting that foundation from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I love that because sometimes I end up, I, I admit it, I can be stubborn and I butt heads. But I do not believe that it's the school's place to dictate health. So now I can quote Leslie and Wendy in their book mm-hmm. and say, health is divine within the family, not in a school setting. Here's what you should do. Oh, look at you. Thanks, Leslie. 
You're welcome. <laughs> no, but that's that's so true, and 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 that's the thing. Um, you know, I always talk about my daughter. I'm sure one she's she's going to get me one day and expect for royalties for as much as I talk about her. But sure. she's she's my she's my guinea pig, so to speak, because when she was like two or three, we saw there was a we were on a kids show. She must have been three. We were watching a kids show, and there was this like really evil. Um, an evil character that was like a pack of French fries, and then there was this real righteous oh, savior oh, character that was an apple. And I was like, "Whoa, back the truck up!" <laughs> and so since I it, and these messages are so insidious. Um, even in my daughter just did map testing here in Nevada. It's like where you know you figure out where you're, where they fall as far as their reading and their comprehension or their math or whatever. And and my daughter, because at that moment, you know, I do a timeout and I'm like, whoa, 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 hit the pause button. We're, we're you know we're not gonna we don't believe that in this family. We don't believe that. We we believe food is food, and there's no good and there's no bad unless someone has a medical allergy. And and so in her map testing last week, there was a passage about food or fast food and this that and the other and bad food, good food. And she put down her her pencil and she was like, "Mom, I cannot even do this question. It is health propaganda." <laughs> and, I love it. And. <laughs> And I was like, girl, I'm so proud. But (laughs) I'm like, yes, I'm so glad you can see it. Because if we can help our kids see it, they cannot internalize it, hopefully, and be more resilient in it. And so I really, you know, want to empower parents, even though we might struggle with things ourselves, because, I mean, let's be honest, no one is unscathed in diet culture. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that we can't talk about these things with our kids and, you know, help them be resilient in spite of it. So I sat down with her and I said, listen, diet culture is in safe places. It's in your school. Mm -hmm. It's in your church. It's in many homes. It's in medical offices. But what we know is we have to know when we come across an untruth, and I'm proud of you that you came across an untruth, but but here's what we also have to do. Let's read this passage and let's answer it the best we can, knowing that this is not what our family believes. Mm. And and so I think we have to have honest conversations, even amidst our own struggles, if we have them, because I think we know from from lots of information that, that most um, most of us struggle with things in diet culture, whether body image, chronic dieting, disordered eating, and clinical eating disorders. They're not as rare as, as we think. And so as long as we're, we're working on our own path, I think we can be, um, we can talk to kids about normalizing food is, you know, food is food. And, and it's hard when you've got, you know, when you've got, people practicing all these crazy things and then their kids are hearing about it too and they're good food, bad food, or their parents make them, I'm using my air quotes, earn their food or whatever. Um, We have to be really careful with our messaging. And I guess what I'm really saying is you don't have to be all the way there yet to work on messaging with your kids. Mm. Well, that's perfect. Because, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of, I don't want to just say moms, anybody that's been around that kid, they feel like, well, I, you know, I got to be able to model it hundred percent. Not necessarily. You can still work on change as you're trying to change within the, the household. So let's flip, let's flip gears for a second. So you have kind of a unique 
niche in that you work with performers, which I'm guessing um, makes you very uh, educated in that because you have a personal background in gymnastics. But tell us how you work with, I hope I'm saying this right, Cirque de la Soul. <laughs> Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil. I knew I was going to get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Sorry. <laughs> Cirque du Soleil. It'll be quiet. <laughs> yeah. You have not been to Cirque Vegas recently. You know, no. So, <laughs> I'm, um, we'll have Royce gosh, I'm that. <laughs> super fortunate to have had some of the um, opportunities that I've had and um, in, in my work career. And so I've been working with Cirque for just over four years. They're obviously on COVID hiatus right now, but mm-hmm. still work with some performers. And, and you know, I just can't get over how absolutely just blessed and, and fortunate I am to have been able to work with such amazing people. And, and what I've decided is, you know, I can't work outside of my values. And I value people being fed, and I value people loving their bodies and not punishing them. And sometimes I run into problems, particularly in high level sport. And when you're working with aesthetic athletes, that you can feel like you're coming up against um, recommendations that have been given to a performer. They're very incongruent with how I practice. And, And so I am very upfront with how I practice. I will not cut someone's food. I will help someone figure out what they're doing with their food, how they're using their food. How can we perform well? Can we use intuitive practices in sport? Absolutely. And I, and so I've, and I'm also privileged enough to be far, far enough along in my career to decide, you know, will I work in an environment that would make me, um, you know, not stick to my professional values? And the answer is no, I, I won't do that. But what I've learned is you can help people who are really struggling and really in a hard work environment, because this is a hard work environment. Um, you can really help them understand fueling in a way to be their best genetic self, um, like whatever is true for them and their own genetics and to be fed. And what, what, I love like right before, um, you know, quarantine kind of started, we had the opportunity to train most of the coaching staff, at least in the United States and some of the traveling shows about reds, underfueling, eating disorders. And it was, and, and I think when we talk about eating disorders, people are like, oh, that's rare. We don't have those, <laughs> which obviously is super false. But when you talk about relative energy um, deficiency in sport and you, and you show them the impact and when you boil it down to safety, you get their attention. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was working with, there, there were some new, new heads of coaching for the international company and, and this particular coach was very, very um, excited about training coaches to understand fueling and underfueling, and we're all about performance and wow. And 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 I kept boiling it down to: Can you imagine the wow? Like we already have wow factor. Can you imagine the wow factor of fed, mentally well people? Mm-hmm. And 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 you know and just really helping people break down diet culture. Athletes are no different. Performers are no different than 
everybody else in diet culture that's get, that are getting hammered with these messages. And sometimes they're getting internally hammered with the messages within their own microculture in their own, you know, troops or shows. And we can help them break it down and meet their own needs. And remember, you know, before they're anything else, they're people, they're people with families, they're people with partners, they're people with kids, they're, they're people with a lived experience that we can't ignore. And, and I think when you bring it all to the table and you treat the whole person and you get them fed, um, it, it's a beautiful thing. And I've been so happy to be able to go to some of the shows and see, see some of these performers just, you know, double wow when they're fed. It's, it's, a, it's a really cool thing. Well, like, mm-hmm. Can you believe that? Can you see the wow when they're fed? We're yeah. Have to pull that yeah, I like that. Wow. What a, again, an awesome experience you've had. So, Leslie, what's next for you? What's, what's on the docket now? Oh, my goodness. Well, I am a third grade virtual school facilitator. <laughs> and Congratulations. <laughs> and She's I'm, I'm going to add that to my CV. Oh, and, that um, needs to be on there because that is a hard I job. Have, <laughs> I have no qualifications for it whatsoever, but I'm trying my best. Um, so trying my best. Yeah, I'm doing that. And I've, you know what I've really been doing lately? Um, I've, I've been supervising for supervising other dietitians and fitness professionals and, and other people for, for, for several years now, but I've added groups over the last year and doing a lot more supervision. And I love supporting, you know, dietitians in their path because, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in my, in, in my career on my way to kind of where I am now, and I'm sure I'll continue to make them. But it's, it's, I love supporting other professionals and in, in, in their path and, and getting them, you know, where they, where they want to go and challenging, you know, beliefs of diet culture that might still be lingering in their, um, you know, in their practices and helping them evolve. And I've just had the tremendous privilege to, you know, have a, have people trust me to, to support them in their path. And I'm, absolutely loving doing a lot more supervision than I used to do. Um, I still have my individual clients that I work with, but I'm really enjoying that. And, and I'm really working on, um, working on a new project that has been on my heart for more than, more than a decade. It actually predated Born to Eat and, and I can't let it go. So I think I'm being told that I gotta, I gotta mm-hmm. get it out and get that message out there before I can, before I get permission to take a vacation. Um, so, <laughs> It's really about diet culture in safe places, particularly mm-hmm. the church. And mm-hmm. um, I am a, I am a Christian, and I've seen a lot of um, I've seen a lot of troubling messages come from pastors on stage, come from very influential. Um, ministry leaders, and of course, none of I know one thousand percent none of that was meant for harm. But diet culture has creeped in um, there, and I think it's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. So that is my next thing to tackle, and <laughs> I don't know how long it'll take, but that's what I've been working on. Well, we're excited to have you back on uh-huh. to talk about that very interesting topic. Yes. And I can attest any of you dietitians that are out there. I am actually part of Leslie's group with um, sports dietitians that work with eating disorders. And the nice part about group 
is that it's a safe space to kind of bounce off some of those questions and be able to go over cases. And she's a, a phenomenal facilitator. So mm. just just putting that out there. Well, thank you. Well, Leslie, in between now being a um, online facilitator, writing a book, <laughs> running groups, uh, let's see, individual clients. Oh, yeah. And still being a wife and person. How are you living out the fit philosophy, balancing performance, health, intellect, and a couple seconds for self? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I, I try my best to start every day with quiet time that, you know, serves my mind, body, and soul. And when I can go spend time in nature alone, whether it be a walk or whatever, I've been, you know, I try my best, particularly in these, these strange times, to really prior, prioritize my self-care. Um, so because you can't, you can't give from an empty cup. And, you know, a lot of what I do with my clients, too, is helping them look at their schedules. That way they can have a little time to, to fill themselves up, whether it be with fuel or the, the word, if that's what they want, or meditation or affirmations. Um, yeah, and I, I try to practice what I preach. Oh, love it. Well, we can't wait for the book. So we uh -huh. hope we can uh, get a copy as soon as it comes out. And Leslie, thanks for taking the time for coming on today. All right. I sure appreciate it. Thank you for asking me. Bye, Leslie. Bye, Queens. Today's episode is brought to you by Yours Truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as Red S, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, www.beccamacomble.com. Bye, Queens. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit for a Queen. And Hashtag Fit for a Queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, Queens.